You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Today, I want to really lend my remarks and, again, don't feel like I have a great polished message for you to deliver, but I feel something on my heart and uh, it kind of ties in to a few weeks ago and uh, the last number of weeks we've talked about opposition and struggle and uh, specifically as it pertains to the purpose and plan of God for our lives. And there's no question that we face opposition in our life and I preached a few couple sermons uh, titled when the Uh, opposition is the way, or the obstacle is the way. And this title, this is not my title, but this is how I feel about what I'm going to say. This would be when the obstacle is not the way. (laughs) Because there are times when the obstacle is not the way. And uh, we face obstacles and opposition for different reasons. And in those messages, we talk specifically about how God sometimes puts things in our lives to steer us in different directions. But I also believe that we can face issues in our lives because of our, I would say, carnal nature. We make errors in judgment. We make bad choices out of selfish intent. We allow our human desires to rule, and it creates issues in our lives. We allow our anger to run rampant, and it creates issues in our life. We allow cravings and things we want to move us in directions that ultimately create obstacles and issues and pressures in our lives. It's described this way in Mark chapter 4. I've used this example before. But when Jesus talks about the sower, talks about the parable of the sower, and he says the sower sows the word, and there were those who were by the wayside where the word was sown, and when they hear, Satan comes and immediately takes away the word that was sown. And likewise, there are one sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation and persecution arise for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. So if, we, if I were to kind of pull, extract something out of here, I would say that tribulation and persecution are many times obstacles that are the way. They produce, they're meant to produce things in us. But he said there are ones that are sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, And the desire for other things enter and choke the word, and it becomes fruitful. These obstacles, these issues have nothing to do with what God's trying to do. This has to do with our own carnal nature. But he talks about the good ground they accepted and bear fruit. But what I want to pull today from is this first part where Jesus says, When they hear, Satan comes. 
and immediately it takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. I believe we do, we have a real spiritual enemy. An enemy that Scripture over and over warns us about to be careful not to let Satan take advantage of us. In 2 Corinthians 2, 11, it says, for we are not to be ignorant of his devices. That the enemy is working to create issues in our lives. And I think we should know that Satan looks for ways to sabotage God's plan in our lives. That's why Paul would write in Ephesians, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we recognize, we realize that there is a real enemy that's after our souls, that's looking to sabotage God's will and God's plan. And so I want to specifically address this today. I want to speak on the subject, what the enemy doesn't want you to know. What the enemy doesn't want you to know. The first thing that I believe that the enemy doesn't want you to know is that he is not all-powerful. The enemy is not all-powerful. He does not possess the same power as God. He is not God's equal. He is not uh, uh, and somehow an opposite of God. He is under God's feet. He is a subordinate to God. And anything that he does, he does by permission. And he would have us to feel like that he can just go and do whatever he wants, that he is all powerful, he can control everything. No, he cannot. God is the only one that is all powerful. And God is the only one that is all knowing. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't possess all knowledge of everything. He is not all-powerful. So we have to understand that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's important for us to understand that he is seeking to devour our lives, to destroy our lives, but he cannot just do it on a whim. He has to have permission to do it. And that's important. Don, Reverend Don Stewart said this about Satan's power. He said, it's important to understand who our adversary, the devil, is and what he's able to do. We must be careful not to attribute to him abilities and honors that belong to God and him alone. That God or Satan is not the opposite of God. He approaches God as a subordinate. 
He cannot do anything without God's permission. He is not able to force believers to do anything that he wants them to do. I hope you understand that today, that Satan cannot force you to do anything as a believer of Jesus Christ, as someone who is under God's authority, Satan does not have dominion over your life when you're under God's authority. He doesn't want you to know that though. He wants you to feel like your life is out of control, that temptation can rule and reign in your life whenever it wants, that he can just throw something in your face and you have no control over it. No, he cannot force believers to do anything. In fact, we read about the the man in, in the Gadarenes, and I used this example recently, that this man was full of demonic power, but when he wanted to worship God, when he wanted to come to the feet of Jesus Christ. There was no demon in hell that could stop him from finding Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And so the enemy would love for you to think that he is all powerful, but in fact, he is not. And secondly, I would tell you that I think the enemy doesn't want you to know that his most powerful and his most used weapon is fear. That's what he uses over and over and over again. Now you think about Satan in the Garden of Eden when he came to Eve and he began to have the conversation with Eve. He would have loved to destroy Eve's life in that moment, but he didn't have permission to do so. So he starts a conversation with Eve. He begins the conversation by asking her, did God really say? Now you think, what's that got to do with fear? Because Satan is going to put something in her. It's the first case of FOMO. Fear of missing out. He's going to insert some language. Did God really say? He thinks that if you do this, you'll become like him. You'll be able to see. And all of a sudden, there's a fear. A fear of missing out on something that she could have. And it was that fear that Satan would use over and over and continues to use over and over in our lives. Creating fear of something that is in the future. Creating fear of something that's around us. Something might happen if this doesn't happen. And our lives are constantly being riddled with fear. If you are facing fear today in your life, I can almost guarantee you that it is the enemy at work in your life. Fear is satanic. Fear is torment. And it is satanic. And the more we cater to fear and the more we allow fear to have space in our brain, the more the enemy can have victory in our lives. And somebody said it here recently. I believe it might have been a young person I heard say it. But it's true. The Bible talks more and says more than often. I think it was at the IBC concert. They mentioned this, and it's true. The Bible says, fear not, almost more than anything else in the word. Fear not, fear not, fear not, because that's the gateway for the enemy to have victory in your life. 
Oh, hallelujah. So, I was reading, and I'm still reading a book, the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant, and got a chance to go uh, visit his home, uh, his birthplace, and then where he grew up here in the Cincinnati area. It's fascinating, fascinating president. But in his memoirs, he tells about walking in the wilderness with a young man named Benjamin, and they were walking through uh, going to uh, some place during the, I believe, the Mexican-American or Mexican War. And so he's walking at night with this man named Benjamin. And as they're walking, he begins to hear what he calls the unearthly howling of wolves. And he could hear these wolves howling in front of them. He said the prairie grass was tall and He said, we could not see the beast, but the sound indicated that they were near. And Grant said, to my ear, it appeared that there must have been enough of them to devour our party, our horses, all in a single meal. But his friend Benjamin understood the nature of the wild animal and kept moving towards the sound. Grant was not excited about this till finally Benjamin could recognize the disdain and the fear in his movement. And he asked Grant, how many wolves do you think there are in that pack? And Grant, trying to kind of lower the number than what he thought, said, oh, there's, there's probably 20. Benjamin kept moving. Finally, they get to the clearing where they can see the wolves. And what they saw was two wolves. Benjamin understood that the wolves created a sound that made them appear more in number than what they really were. And how many times does the enemy create this sound? Creates a sound in our life. Makes us feel like the enemy is a little bit bigger than what it is. It's going to be more trouble than what it really ends up being. How many know that? You've, been, you've lived life long enough to know that most fears are unfounded. But yet we can't help ourselves, can we? Many times... Lies are so powerful because they have a measure of truth to them. And Satan used what God said and simply twisted it a little. I would submit that lies are the shadow of truth. They have the shape and the form of truth. But they are distorted. Talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Death, the shadow of death, is bigger than death itself. 
Because Christ told us he overcame death. He gave us life. And most of you sitting in this room today have put your faith in Jesus Christ. And we would say that when we die, to live is Christ. To die is gain. So in reality, death is not that big of a deal. Shouldn't be. But how many know the shadow of death is bigger? Shadow is this image that appears that has this measure of truth to it. But it's usually not true. It has an image, a form to it. And when we live in the shadows of things, we live in the area of half-truth. And to me, fear is half-truth. Fear is a truth that, yes, there's a measure of reality to it, but it's not actual. It's something that is projected. It's something that is out there, but is not the real thing. And the enemy is constantly projecting fear in our lives. Half-truths create enough light. To make things appear bigger than what they are. Found this slide. We'll go to the second title slide because this is the reality of most of our lives. The enemy projects itself as something massive and big in our life when in reality it's just a small thing. And so it would be In Isaiah, if you read the book of Isaiah, you'll find where the king, a king who projected himself as something large, the king of Babylon who projected himself as something big. But the prophet says that at the end of time, when you see what he actually looks like, you'll be amazed at how little and how small that this thing is. It actually is not a big thing. And I I, want to preach, I want to convey to some people here today that we should not accept living with fear in our lives. As much as it comes, as many waves as it comes in our lives, we should never allow it to become a reality in our life that we accept. Because shadows, shadows are just half-truths. The enemy doesn't want you to know that he is so minuscule and that his only real weapon, his only real weapon is a shadow. It's fear. Something projected That isn't real. And finally, the enemy doesn't want you to know that you can overcome the enemy. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind or self-control. The spirit comes into our lives To overcome 
any fear, any torment that would try to rule and reign in our lives. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. So anytime fear shows up, you can guarantee the enemy's trying to show up in your life. Our weapon against the enemy is simple. It's simple to say, but sometimes it's a little harder to live out. I find this idea of overcoming the enemy. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and James chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 says, Therefore, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But what does it begin with? How should we respond to an enemy in our life? Yes, we should resist the enemy. But before we ever do that, he says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You cannot attempt to defeat the enemy. Unless you are under submission to the authority of God. When you walk in authority, when you walk in authority to God, with God, you are saying that God, you are the authority in my life. I submit to you and you alone. So James would say it like this. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Bishop Pasley II preached this often. Submitting to God is the first step to overcoming the enemy. And it's true. He says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why is it this way? Because when I am in opposition to the enemy, when I'm fighting the enemy, I am not to fight on my own. I'm not fighting in my flesh, but I must carry the authority of Jesus Christ when I walk into battle. Therefore, I submit to him. I submit to him in my life, in my speech, in my doctrine, in my teachings, in everything I do. I submit to God. That gives me the authority to resist the devil, to push against the devil, to rebuke the devil. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James chapter 4, 10, he says, humble yourself in the sight of the the Lord and he will lift you up. I come to a close today. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come. That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The enemy doesn't want you to believe that you can have victory 
doesn't want you to believe that you can have victory over sin. He doesn't want you to believe that you can have victory over fear. Philippians 4. Read this today. During a season that creates more anxiety than any other season. A season supposed to be filled with joy creates a level of anxiety. But Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication. What is that? Submitting to God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, not whatever things are half true, whatever things are true. Some of you spend your time thinking about things that are maybe true. They might be true. In a month, they might be true. In six months, in a year, in ten years, they might be true. He's not asking us to think on the things that might be true. Think on the things that are true. What is true? His word, his love, his grace, his mercy. Whatever things are noble. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We're giving space to the enemy when we allow fear and anxiety to rule and reign in our lives. And he's saying, give space to what is true. Give me a chance to have room in your life and in your mind. And so, he says in Ephesians 4, 26, says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Don't give place. Don't give him a foothold in your life, and I would say in your mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God, or pulling down strongholds, things in our minds, casting down arguments. And every high thing now that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what Satan did with Eve from the beginning. He exalted his knowledge above the knowledge that God had given her. And it says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I hope you're hearing me today. Because the enemy doesn't want you to know that you can have victory. 
He doesn't. I love this last passage that I'll read in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6. It says, And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You can punish disobedience by obeying the word of the Lord. And so today I conclude and I tell you that the enemy is a liar. There's a real enemy in this world and he's a liar. He speaks in half truths. And there's just enough truth in what he says to convince us that it might be true. But he's a liar and he's a thief. I've just come to tell you today, don't fear the enemy. And don't give place to the enemy. But do surrender to God. And do submit to God. Because as Isaiah said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Would you stand with me today? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm tired of the enemy. Tired of him creating fear. Fear that's almost debilitating. Some of you know what I'm talking about today. You can't move. You can't think. This is an obstacle that I would tell you is not the way. There are are obstacles and pressures that we face in our lives that is the way. But fear is not the way. Allowing it to be in our lives is not the way. I have to be transparent enough today that I'm not immune to fear. And in my childhood years and my teenage years, I dealt with fear at a high level. And faced it getting into ministry. And even in the last couple years, just walking through doing things, there's a level of fear that I have faced in my life that I haven't faced in a long time. And I'm not saying that for pity. I'm just telling you that I'm preaching where I'm living today. That I get that fear is not something you can just turn off. But the Bible is not either silent on the subject. And the Bible is not 
leaving us to try to figure it out on our own. He gives us a very clear blueprint on how to handle the real enemy that's in our life. And it's to submit fully to the power and presence of God in our life, to surrender fully to the power and presence of God in our life, and to think on the things that are right and pure and true. And I pray today that some of you who maybe are facing some fear and some anxiety and worry in your life, the enemy's projected. I love this image. He's projected something that is half true. It's a cat. I'm believing today the Lord is going to bring some peace into somebody's life today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.